Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. How many of you are still basking in Sunday night? Amen. Wasn't that a great service? Amen. Just so many great things happened. And uh, the children were, were uh, a real blessing. And uh, young people, all ages really. And actually, Sunday night a week ago, I think we had more teenagers involved in sharing. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, uh, a lot of things going on. Amen. And uh, we thank God for that. Amen. Turn with, with me in your Bible tonight to Luke, the second chapter. Amen. Go to the Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to talk tonight. Now, where's Kendra? I'm giving you a title. Pay attention. It's entitled Directing Your Children in the Moving in Moving with the Spirit. Directing Your Children in Moving with the Spirit. Can anybody say amen? amen. If you found Luke chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse number 41. His parents, talking about Jesus, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. Now, the Jews were required to attend these feasts, and there were three main feasts. And uh, the big one that uh, the most, uh, uh, that had the deepest meaning, I suppose, was the feast of Passover. And it was followed up immediately, the very next day after Passover, they began the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and that lasted seven days, and so they were there for a week. So they went up every year for this, and they took their family. I said they took their family to church. They took the kids. Now, it only mentions Jesus, but I think it's safe to to assume that all of the brothers and sisters went. Amen. And when uh, Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, like I said, this wasn't an overnight trip there and back. They were there for, for a week. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy, everybody say the boy, not the man, Christ Jesus. We can read about that in Acts chapter 2. Jesus Christ, the man, but this is Jesus, the boy. And uh, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, uh, Evidently, you know, uh, you know, young people, Jesus was just 12 years old. Young people and children, uh, you know, they're not just going to sit still for a week. Just not. I don't care if they're, if they're God in the flesh, they're still flesh. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, the, there was a caravan of people. Because if, if you could go for, if you could leave Jerusalem and not even be looking for your child, there had to have been a custom 
It had to be a custom that your friends, your relatives, you came as a group in a caravan. There were probably uh, carts and, and maybe mules, donkeys, and they're on foot. It was a, a fairly good number of people and a lot of kids. And, uh, you know, Jesus, the, the time in which Jesus lived wasn't as dangerous a time as it is today. It wasn't, it was, it's more dangerous now than it was when I was a kid. In Jesus's day, it wasn't particularly dangerous, but crimes happened. Jesus, remember he gave the parable of the man went down, you know, from Jerusalem and, and he, uh, uh, thieves took him and beat him up and took his, took his clothes and his money and left him for dead. And the Levite came and, you know, and different ones. And then, you know, Samaritan came, took care of him, right? So that, that, that illustration uh, would, would have fallen on deaf ears if those things never happened. Uh, Jesus also talked about laying up treasures. Don't lay them up, you know, where thieves can get in and, you know, lay up your treasures in heaven. So we know that, that crime happened. But, you know, when I was a kid, crimes happened, but they usually happened somewhere else. You know, in the, the world that we grew up in, you know, we would... We would uh, leave, uh, particularly in the summer when we were out of school, we'd leave the house in the morning with no shoes on, usually not even a shirt on, just a pair of, you know, shorts and go out and, you know, be gone all day. Come home when we got hungry. Mama didn't call us home. We came home. We had a good enough sense to know if we got hungry, come home and eat, get a sandwich. Now, back then we called that dinner. And then the evening meal we called supper. But we had to learn different when we growed up. But, uh, you know, we'd stay out at night after we, had, after we had our lunch. We'd go back out and play. And, and we had woods behind our house, several hundred feet deep. And on both sides, and there was a creek that ran through, and there were several hundreds of feet of woods on the other side, and it went hundreds of feet in both directions. It was a fairly good green space. And uh, we, w- we played in the woods. Tarzan was the big thing on television. <laughs> Every Friday night, I think it was Friday night, Tarzan would come on. And whenever the show came on, the first introduction, they gave the introduction and then they went to a commercial. All of the kids in my neighborhood would go out on the front porch, turn on our lights and give a, a big old Tarzan yell. And so all up and down the street, you would, ah, <laughs> and we cut vines out of the big trees and we swing across that creek. You know, we pretended like we were Tarzan. We'd swing across the creek, you know, and try to get away from one another and jump to the other side. We played in the creek, and, and you know, it, it, uh, it wasn't real safe. There were snakes in that creek. There were water moccasins. We, there, were, there were always water moccasins in that creek. We had enough sense to leave the water moccasins alone. Now, we caught snakes with our bare hands, and, uh, but we knew the difference. I knew, particularly, I knew the difference between a water moccasin and a water snake. They were in the same water, but I knew the difference. And the water moccasins, you know, they were, they were, uh, they're a lot like rattlesnakes. They're, they're territorial. And uh, usually they were up on a limb that had fallen into the creek, you know, and there was some debris caught up on the limb and they'd, you'd see a, a, a water moccasin up there on that limb kind of sunning, you know, cause they were cold, cold blooded. And, uh, but every now and then there'd be one on the path. There was a path that went along that creak and every now and then we walked there and there'd be a water moccasin. What are you going to do? They won't leave. 
They'll stay there. And I don't remember them coiling up like rattlesnakes. I don't remember that. But I remember them, they would take a defensive position. They, and they, they stand their ground. This is, you're not coming by here. Well, we'd just go somewhere else. We'd, we'd find another path, you know. Uh, so, so, you know, the world, but the world, our parents weren't afraid for us to be outside. We'd be out until dark. You know, they'd either call us in at dark or we'd get hungry and we'd come in in summer, you know, and that was pretty late in the day. And, uh, but we'd hear about things. You know, you heard about things happening to people, but it was always somewhere else. In Jesus' day, I'm sure it was that way as well. It was a very safe environment. Uh, so, you know, they went on this, on this uh, they, they started home. It says they, they went a day's journey. Now, a day's journey was typically between 18 and 30 miles, depending on the terrain. Now, Sabbath day's journey was only two miles because you can only walk two miles on the Sabbath. But a regular day's journey was between 18 and 30 miles. But customarily, at this time, uh, I read this, that on the first day, they would only go six to eight miles usually, and they would intentionally stop so that if anybody forgot anything, they could go back, because you'd probably figure that out, you know, after a few hour, hours out, you could go back and, and to Jerusalem and get your stuff, and then you could catch up with the group that you were with and, and going home. So uh, they had gone, uh, you know, uh, it says they, they, uh, they went a day's journey. So it probably wasn't all day, but they, they went a day's journey, and they found out that, that he wasn't there. They looked, started looking around. You know, it's interesting, they waited an entire day before they looked for him. You know, I remember the time when the little kids, you know, all the neighbors in the neighborhood took care of everybody's kids. You know, if you got out of line, you were out in some place, you know, a neighbor would come out of the house and beat your butt, you know, and tell your parents later, not even tell your parents, you know. And uh, everybody looked out for everybody else's kids and particularly relatives. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. I had some snarky uncles. and Anyway, praise the Lord. They sought him after a day's journey. They sought him among their relatives and acquaintances and didn't find him. So they returned to Jerusalem. Now, uh, they had to take another day to get back. Now, they might have left, you know, uh, in that afternoon and probably they, they, they covered ground a little, clo- little faster getting back to Jerusalem. But they probably didn't, you know, it was probably late in the day, probably at least a full day that they were gone. They get back to Jerusalem. Then it says in verse 46, that now, uh, so it was that after three days, now I don't know if that counts the first day of travel there, and you know, that first partial day and back, you know, I don't know. So it could have been, it could have been four days, you know, the three days after they got back and the, the day before, or it could, the whole thing could have been four, uh, three days. So, so it was after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Uh, well, let's, let's go on down to verse number real quick. Let's drop down to verse number. No, I know. Go, go back up to verse number 40. Then we're, then we're going to drop down to verse 52. Look at verse 40. Now, this is, this is earlier in his life when he was, when he was real small. This, the, the previous chapter, you know, is the, is the story of... of uh, of Anna, you know, right in, in, when he was a baby, when he was dedicated. So in verse 39, when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew. Now the child, didn't call him a boy here, just a child. The child grew 
and became strong in spirit. I want you to notice this, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. He was, if you're filled with wisdom, how much more room do you have for wisdom? That'd be, that'd be, you had it all, right? Filled with wisdom. But now if you jump over after this incident here in the temple when he was 12, in verse 52, it says, Jesus increased in wisdom. Well, now wait a minute. How can you increase in wisdom if you're full of wisdom? I mean, if you increase, then that means you, you end up with more than you had before you increased. That means before the increase of wisdom, you had less wisdom. But it says he was full of wisdom when he was a child, and now he's increased. In, after, after, he's a, after this, he increased in wisdom. You think that wisdom leaked out? Think he lost wisdom? No, it, that tells me that wisdom is age-related. Wisdom is age-related. Children and, and young uh, uh, kids, really all, all ages, we're limited sometimes in how much wisdom we can hold because we don't have certain life experiences and uh, it, it, you're not ready for everything. Amen. So now Jesus... When this happened, they, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listen, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So apparently he was asking questions, but he was also giving answers. I don't know if he was, ask, if he was answering questions they were asking or if he was asking questions that they couldn't even answer, and then he gave the answer. But they were amazed at his, at his understanding and answers. So when his parents saw him, they were amazed at his answers, questions and answers. Is that what it says? No. They were not amazed at his answers, his questions and answers. They were amazed that he had done this. They weren't at all impressed with his answers. I would say, if you read this carefully, they're pretty, they're pretty ticked off. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said, now, notice she didn't say, well, there you are, darling. I wonder what happened to you. You know, knock, you know bump off the log, whatever you say. You know, look at you. Bless your heart. No, she chewed him out. She scolded him, did she? She said, son, why have you done this to us? Can... can you parents, can you detect what's going on here? Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. They, you know, three or four days had gone by. Now, you know, there's a, there's a, 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 a safe environment, but... It wasn't, it, it wasn't unheard of, the things that... Remember when Jesus was two... Remember when the, when the Magi came and sought him? They went to, to the king and said, We're, we've come to worship the king of the Jews. And Herod said, well, you know, when you find him, uh, let me know so I can come worship him. What he meant was, well, I can come kill him. And so the, the Magi were warned in a dream not to go back the same way, so they went another way. And when Herod find out, found out that he had been double-crossed, what did he do? 
he killed all the children from two years old and younger. So Mary and Joseph, this wasn't just an environment where nothing can happen to kids, particularly him. Because the government, the, the, the Herod, this was a different Herod, but the Herod before, because he died, you know, and then the, the angel said, you can go back now. And Herod said, the, 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 the man who sought your child's life is dead. So Jesus was marked. That would, that would, make, a, that would make a mark on these parents. And they went back, you know, and first day they didn't find him. Now they're beginning to get more and more anxious. They, this was serious. And they said, uh, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Jesus wasn't exercising wisdom. Hold on now. Jesus was not exercising well, I, I, I wrote wisdom, but I, I wrote in right before church, the best wisdom. He is God, so I'm being careful. <laughs> Jesus wasn't exercising the best wisdom when he stayed behind three or four days without his parents' permission. Are you kidding me? He's 12 years old. What 12 years old, what 12 year old with half cents? What was he doing for three days? He apparently just stayed in the temple. He probably slept there. His parents were rightfully upset with him and they let him know it. Jesus, on the other hand, was astonished (laughs) that they didn't know where to find him. He said, why did you seek me? Why, what were you looking what, where, Why did you go anywhere else? How did you not know I'd be about my father's business? How did you not know this is what I'd be doing? Huh? The zombie zone. He's 12. Now, those of you who have raised children into puberty and adolescence, there's that zone that they go through. It's like they are completely out to lunch. Now, see, when I saw this years ago, that blessed me so much. This is just another example of the humanity and the deity of Christ. Though he was God, the Bible says that he, Philippians, he laid aside, he emptied himself, he laid aside his heavenly power and glory, became as a man. He went through everything every other child goes through, and he was in this this fog this pre-adolescent, you know, thing. And, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a lack of wisdom. Now, even though it was a lack of wisdom, Jesus was clearly motivated by the Holy Spirit, wasn't he? He wasn't in there... He wasn't, you know, with a bunch of rebel rousers, you know, the delinquent kids running around behind the shop somewhere. He's in church. He had to have been motivated right. He was, you could say he was led of the spirit to be there. And, and he's, uh, he's got some wisdom from the Holy Ghost about the Bible. Amen. Amen. 
But his lack of natural wisdom resulted in improper conduct even while he was following the dictates of his heart. You ever think about that? Now, it wasn't sinful conduct. It was an innocent lack of wisdom. There's a big difference. We know Jesus was without guile, sinless. This wasn't, this wasn't sin. He was shocked that they didn't know. He honestly never thought of it. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Our children can be motivated by the Holy Spirit and even be used by the Spirit, and that blesses us. Did it bless us? It blessed us. But we, like Mary and Joseph, must still fulfill our responsibility as parents. Now listen, to steady them and direct them so that they can become an even greater blessing. Amen. Uh, I, have, I have seen over the years that it seems to me that when children, particularly young children, uh, begin to, to speak by the Spirit. And this is not the first time this has happened. We're, we're so blessed by it and so kind of amazed by it that sometimes parents don't really know what to do with their child. They don't know really what the next step is because it's so supernatural. It's so, it's so of God. Well, what was going on in that temple was of God. But it wasn't the best in the natural. And Mary and Joseph realized their responsibility as parents to steady him and help channel that energy in the right direction and make correction if correction was needed. And it was. <laughs> there was correction needed. Amen. So... Uh, so like Mary and Joseph, we must still fulfill our responsibility as parents uh, to, to steady and direct them so that they can become an even greater blessing. So what I want to advise you parents is talk to your children. Talk to your children. Now listen, talk to your children after the fact. Like after a service like Sunday night. If you haven't done it, if your children uh, obeyed God and, and, and got up and, and ministered and God was on them or whatever they did. Talk to your children about that. I have found that parents a lot of times won't do that. They don't, they don't really know what to say. They're kind of amazed. They'd have never done that. They'd have been too embarrassed or too self-conscious or too shy or, or disobedient or something. Just, and so they're kind of in awe that their, parent, that their children are so awesome. And so the parents don't know what to do. They won't even, won't even approach it, won't even talk about it. Talk to your children when these things are going on. Talk to them after the fact and before the next time. What do you talk to them about? Talk to them about, to talk to them about, about, I'll get this out, talk to them about how they process leadings to move with the Spirit in church service. Just have a, have a conversation. What, 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 how, what was that like? How did you, what made you step out? What, what, how did you sense it? Start talking to them because you know more than they do. Yeah, but I, I've never stepped out like that. Yeah, but you're the parent. <laughs> They're still children. 
Mary and Joseph did not back down. Talk to your children about how they process leadings to move with the Spirit, like running in church when they, when they get up and run. If, if your child just runs and you never have a conversation with them, you're not, you're not doing them justice. Find out how, what, well, baby, what, tell me about that. What, what was that like? In, in fact, you ought to have such a dialogue with your child going on about these things that the child looks to you for direct, yeah, you look to the, there's the Holy Spirit moving, but you're, it's the Holy Ghost. It was, it was the Holy Ghost and Jesus, but it was, he still had parents and they had something to say and they took their place and they said, not, no, you're not doing that again. If you read this, it says that, uh, he, he, he said, what, what, what are you, what's wrong with you? Did you not know what I, that I'd be here? They didn't understand. They, well, I don't understand. Well, neither the day. But they knew, they knew what they knew. They might not have known what was going on in him, but they knew what they knew. They knew what was right and what wasn't. And so they went down, verse 51, he went down with them to Nazareth and was subject to them. There's a little number there next to that word subject in my Bible. It says it was, he was obedient to them. That suggests to me that he really didn't want to go. He, it could have said he just went down to, to Nazareth with them. Went down to, to Nazareth with them, with them and was obedient to them. I don't, you can't prove it one way or the other, but it sounds to me like he, he really didn't want to go. He, he'd like to stay there. He was, he was getting along fabulously. Everybody was impressed with him. Children like that. Children like it when the adults are, are bragging on them. It's not always good for them. So it's not always good for him. But he was, he was digging that. And uh, I, I think he possibly wanted to stay. But he went down with them and was obedient to them, subject to them. Uh, so when your children are moving in the spirit, if they're running, don't, don't, just, don't just let them run. I mean, if, if they move out in the service, fine. You know, don't, don't chase them down and say, no, you didn't get my permission. But afterwards, talk to them. And say, listen, honey, the next time this gets, look, you know, uh, kind of nudge me so I can kind of, you know, when people come up in the service, they have something to say, they come up next, stand next to me. And uh, uh, not this week, was it last week that Lizzie came up? Yeah. And, uh, and when she walked up, I said, I was sitting down. And she said, I have something, you know, can I share it? And at first I thought, I don't think so. So I stood up, you know, and checked, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, go ahead. And what she had broke it loose, broke that service loose. Well, there wasn't anything wrong with that. Well, parents, that's your place where it's little children. Amen. We're not trying to hold people back, but, but there is decorum. You Listen, parents, you must determine if they're motiv- being motivated by the Holy Spirit or just something natural because they can be. How do, you, how, how do you know? By talking to them, discussing it with them, not in, a, not in a, uh, a, a mean way, not correcting. They're just talking to them and developing that. And the Holy Spirit will witness to you. Yes, my child's got something. Or maybe, hold on, not right now. There's just something else going in the service. That's what I look for when people want to, uh, you know, give a word. I check, is it now? Is it right now? Or is, you know, sometimes I don't want to give it all. Doesn't even fit. 
I don't even know what it is, but it's just not, just not, not, not right now. A lot of times people don't like it, but that's the pastor's responsibility. Well, it's the parent's responsibility over their children too. Amen. So uh, the parent needs to determine. It's your job to determine if they're being motivated by the Holy Spirit or just being motivated naturally. Uh, Mary and Joseph took their place. That's what they did. It can be a little of both, honestly. It can be a little spirit and flesh. Because <laughs> it is with us. <laughs> Amen. And like I said, it's your job as parents to sort it out and to instruct them accordingly. So take your place and guide them like Mary and Joseph did. You, may have, you have perfect examples to follow. Mary and Joseph stood up. Well, I don't know what to do. Mary had... Gabriel, tell her that she's going to give birth to God. Joseph had the angel of the Lord appear to him. You know, they didn't forget this stuff. If they can step up, you can step up. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Even though Jesus was clearly motivated by the Spirit, he had to learn to balance, listen to me, He had to learn to balance that leading with obedience to God's other commandments. That's the thing that even adults sometimes miss. Yes, God is leading me, but this leading isn't the only thing God has to say. How does it fit in with other things he said? Like, honor your father and your mother. That wasn't honoring his father and mother. Well, did he sin? No, he w- it was innocence. It was, it was a lack of, of wisdom and it was innocent. But honoring your father and mother would have, would have dictated that he, that he checked with them or tell them, can, can I stay a little longer? You know, he was 12. He wasn't four. So Jesus had to learn to balance the leading of the Spirit with obedience to God's other commandments, like honor your father and mother, obey your, your, your parents. Now, go with me to, I'm quoting Ephesians. Go over there and look at that. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. Are you getting anything out of this? This will help you. Go to Ephesians 6 and hold your place and we'll end because we're going to come right back and I'm going to have you hold your place somewhere else. Hold your place in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Just put your finger there. Flip back to Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now what in the world does that mean? Obey your parents in the Lord for this. Now it's not talking about Something. He's talking about actual parents because the next verse, honor your father and mother. So he's talking about actual parents, your flesh and blood parents. Honor your parents, but notice in the Lord. Where, where do we hear that expression elsewhere? Go over to Ephesians chapter five. We talked about this recently. I did, we didn't, I did. You were listening. <laughs> Ephesians chapter five, verse 12. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. What did I say? Huh? Okay, I didn't hear you. I didn't tell you to go to First Thessalonians eventually. Okay, well, I'm in. For, I'm in First Thessalonians. You didn't know that. Did nobody? Did I didn't say turn there? 
Okay, well then turn there. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) First Thessalonians 5.12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for for their work's sake. I was just talking about that, I think, last Monday. sometime we urge you brethren to recognize those who labor now who would that be your pastors that's who that's that's who that's who's over you but notice they're over you in the Lord now what does that mean well I I stress very often they're not over you in your home life they're not over you in your private life they're over you in the Lord right but a pastor doesn't come between his church member and God. I'm not, the pastor doesn't stand between you and Jesus. I'm not, it's not like there's you, and then there's the pastor, and then there's Jesus, and Jesus got to go through you. That's not true. Well, what does it mean then in the Lord? That is in the things of God where he has oversight. Well, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So that means not just, he could have just said, children, obey your parents in everything, just flat out. But that's that's true, but he's stressing something different. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, in the things of God. See that? No, you're not not their savior, but you're, you're there to help guide them in these things. You're, you're over them in the things of God. Do you see that? Obey them. Obey those who are over you in the Lord. Parents, obey your children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, for this is right. You don't, this is right. Don't let the enemy say, well, I, I, I you know, this is holy This is of God. God's moving. I don't have... No, no. This is right. This is right. Amen. Now, it's fortunate for us that we had a good turnout. I mean, we had a a good event. (laughs) It turned out good. Amen. Because we had some children that really uh, moved with the Spirit. Thank God. But societally, in our society... Children are often praised above what they deserve. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody are told they're special. And a lot of times they're not. Everybody's told that they're they're the greatest thing. And a lot of times they're not. Everybody gets a, a, a praise just for showing up. Listen, showing up is nothing. They only showed up because they had to. They don't deserve a trophy. Come on now. Our society is reaping the results of, of kids thinking that they, that they deserve everything when they put no effort into anything. Well, praise the Lord. It's true. It's not healthy, is it? Well, it isn't wisdom for children to be praised publicly in this sort of situation like we had Sunday night. I'll say that again. It isn't wisdom for children to be praised publicly 
in this kind of a situation. It's not wisdom for adults to be praised for obeying God. It isn't. People sometimes over the years, they've come to me and, and, and they'll say, oh, pastor, you know, that was a great service. Or, or sometimes people get up and testify. We just so thank for our, you know, just because they love us. I always, 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 100 out of 100, like sometimes one out of one time, <laughs> every time, I make sure I give glory to God. Even as an adult, you can get tripped up with that. I've seen ministers fall by taking praise. Well, how much more, a little kid? How much more can that trip them up? When, when we have a service and children are obeying God, we can, we can praise God for what he's doing. And we, be, we can be thankful. And when somebody, oh, we had so many kids that got up and said some amazing things. It's right, it's right to say, praise God, respond, praise God. That's affirmation. But it's not healthy to get up and talk about a child. Ooh, you know, you know what I'm saying? That's not healthy. It's not healthy for the child. It it can cause a lot of problems. It can cause a lot of problems for their parents and their friends, between their friends. And uh, so so are you getting my drift? We We need to, parents need to be parents, and the rest of the church need to be smart too. So we don't create a stumbling block for our children. Because, you know, children will, if children are being praised, other children will emulate that. I mean, what the other kids did. We saw that. We saw that. We saw that Sunday night. It can happen. It can happen anyway, but we shouldn't encourage it. Amen. You know, I, I remember when I was 20, I'm guessing I was about 23. I've told this story before. God used me one night in a Wednesday night. I mean, in a powerful way. The anointing came on me. It surprised me. I knew two days before that I was supposed to share a particular scripture, but I didn't, it wasn't my place. My job was to, I don't even remember what the title was. It was some, I don't know, they gave me some kind of title. They, they wanted me to kind of emcee the Wednesday night service. And, uh, and I was 23 years old, and my job was to open the service, which meant, come to the platform and the music would start and I would, you know, get every stand and pray, lead in a prayer, maybe read a verse of script, but not preach or teach by any means. And I got up there and opened the script and I remember the text was in Ephesians chapter four and I preached or taught probably for about 25 minutes. The entire time, the choir, my job was to open the service with a prayer and then the choir director would come up behind me and he'd leave the, the choir for about 15 or 20 minutes and then I'd get up and receive an offering. I'd get up and call, that means, you know, call the ushers down, point somebody out because I didn't want to pray for them, you know. And uh, didn't like to pray in front of people. And uh, I'd call on somebody to pray over the offering. We'd pray for the, we'd take up the offering and then I would, in our, in our church we had, uh, uh, we would dismiss for classes and the chill, we had a, Right off to the platform on the left, there was a double set of double doors and went down a long hallway, and there were Sunday school rooms, classrooms all down there. Children would, would go out if they were in there. Uh, teenagers would go. The, te- the youth had a class, and a lot of the, of the singles came to that class on Wednesday night. And then Angela's dad taught a, a Bible class for, for the adults that wanted to attend it. He was a great Bible 
teacher. But most of the adults stayed in the auditorium. My job was kind of say, okay, let's go to our classes. Well, I took 20 minutes, 25 minutes, a long time. And I didn't realize it. I didn't realize that the time had gone and, and I started early. But I looked up and I looked out and all over the congregation, people were crying. That can be a bad thing, but this was a good thing. <laughs> if you came from the church of God, sister, you know that if people cried, they were being blessed. Am I right? That was, that's, the way, that's the way church of God people responded to the anointing. We cried. <laughs> Can't fully explain it, but it's, it's, it's true. Everybody cried. And I looked out there and people all over the church were just weeping. And I mean, God's presence was in there so strong. And uh, so I just turned over to the pastor and said, what do I do now? And, and you know, he, he, after church he came, we dismissed and went down the classes, you know, and the glory was just still over everybody. It was just like the glory of God was in there. And uh, the pastor, after service, he said, thank you, Brother Anderson. Thank you for doing that. Thank God that was good. Well, I thought, that worked out good. I'll do that again. I was 23 years old and I fell into that. The next thir- uh, Wednesday night, man, I had my text and I, I took off and I, I went again for about 10 or 15 minutes and it wasn't God. <laughs> it wasn't God. And, and, the, and the minister of music came out, Brother Crick, Bob Crick. And he came up to me after service and he said, and he was real diplomatic, you know, he said, now, Brother Anderson, he said, you know, you don't have to do that every week. <laughs> I already knew I'd bombed out and Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand that. So, so children, uh, children need to be guided. Amen. And uh, because we want, we want this to grow. We want children to, we don't want children running because other kids run. Because if they, they can think that's the Holy Spirit and it's not. We want them to know the Spirit. They want them to sense the leading of the Spirit and how the Spirit moves on them. And, and when they do that, parents, you need to reinforce that. That's why you need to talk to them. Because, you know, you can talk to them and you can find out, why did you do that? Why did you, you know? And, and so I'm just giving some, some, uh, some good advice that will help your children. And it'll help keep uh, this move of God going. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, Angela, it's yours now. Turn it to you. <laughs> That's all I had. Praise the Lord. Well, did you get anything out of that? It'll, it'll help us. Because the things of the Spirit, uh, the, word, the Word has something to say about everything. Every situation when the Spirit moves, the Word has something to say. And, uh, and we need to make sure we Teach our children, raise them upright. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. I'm not going to. You want to do something? You want to get. Okay. All right. Say something. Well, you know, he's talking about children, and honestly, that the best thing to do is to have your child just kind of check with you before they take off to do anything. Yeah. But you know, this applies to adults as well. You know, there yeah, check been, with her. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking. We have, we have personally missed it more times than I can count. I remember, particularly you. Uh, yeah, particularly me. Thank you very much. Um, but but I, re, I remember one time that the, I gave uh, a word, and, and I ended it with, Thus saith the Lord. And he got up right behind me, and he said, When you have a word from the Lord, do not say, Thus saith the Lord. I did not do that. 
Yes, you did. I didn't. Do yes, that. you did. I would not have done that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And and so you. I it's think she not conflated necess- some it's things. Not necessary it's like to say, "Thus saith the Lord." And but and it's so, not. And so, so just a service, a service or so later. He gives a word from what and ends it with, thus saith the Lord. And I'm on the platform, and I, look, I looked at him, and I just went, really? <laughs> and he looked and went, I wasn't supposed to do that. And I went, no, <laughs> you weren't. So we've all missed it, all right? But there are times in those kind of services that we've had the last couple of weeks that when the Holy Spirit is moving in a certain direction with a certain flow, stay with the flow. Yeah. You know, we have to learn as well. Sometimes we miss it. There have been a lot of times in a, in a service like that that somebody comes up and, and what they have to share is totally out of order with everything else that's going on. And hopefully the next person who comes up gets it back yeah. in place. Because when it gets off, it's hard to get it back. It's hard to get it back. Yeah. So this, this is good instruction for, for you as just an individual, as an adult. Check and make sure. But there are certain guidelines, you know, in a service like this. Is it in the flow of what's already happening? Is this the direction the Spirit's already moving? Don't try to take it off into another direction other than where we're already at. I'll tell you another time. This was back in the 1980s. I gave a, a, a prophecy. It might have been an interpretation. And uh, I started out right, and it had a little bit of rhyme to it. And so I, I you've been there? You're laughing. And uh, I wanted to keep that. Well, you know, just because a couple of lines rhyme doesn't mean the whole thing has to rhyme. Well, I felt like, well, I got to keep this rhyme going. <laughs> and I'm, I'm giving this interpretation, this prophecy. And I mean, it is just, it is like, it's just like bogging down in quicksand. And, I, and, I, and finally, I just stopped. Because, you know, I, I want to train the church. I don't want them to think, you know, because... A lot of times people say, well, glory to God. And they say, well, I don't know, but glory to God. That was the pastor. <laughs> and so I just stopped and I said, church, we teach judging prophecy. I'm going to judge that. That was not God. So the anointing was God, but I missed that. I, I got off. I got completely off. And I was just making stuff up, trying to come up with something that would rhyme. That's absolutely the truth. And I just told the church, I said, I, I'm not going to let this go and, make, and have you wonder, well, what's wrong with you, you know? No, there wasn't anything wrong with them. And everybody went, yeah, we know it, Pastor. <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all here when that happened. How was? Do you remember that? <laughs> Frickies were here. Yeah, the Frickies were here. And, uh, and Lance Fricky, after, after service, he said, Pastor, he said, when you started, when you started, whatever it was, interpretation of prophecy he said I was right with you I mean it was just it was just like it was I had the same thing he said all of a sudden it's like you took a right hand turn and just went off somewhere <laughs> I said yeah and, and and that's why I wanted to correct that in front of everybody yeah. it made me look foolish but I'd rather look foolish than have the church think that they were missing it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So we'll have a discussion about that other thing later. I don't believe, I don't believe that. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, I don't did. believe yeah, that. You did. Yeah, you did. But here's the thing. I might have said that privately. No, we, you said it in front of the whole church. <laughs> All right, show of hands, who believes, <laughs> Pastor Angela, who believes me? Well, I, I think I won, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> they're, just, they're just being nice to you. <laughs> 
Now, but here's the thing. We've all missed it. Yep. But what was, what's the best thing about it is that you're willing, you're willing to step out. You know, and, yes. and, if, and, and sometimes the best way to learn is by stepping out and, and recognizing when you didn't, ex- when you weren't really in the flow the way you should have been. Sometimes that is the, the best thing, you know, just because it'll help you the next time to recognize when it really is God and when it's not God. Now that doesn't mean you have to get up and, and correct yourself. No, you don't. church like I did. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, it just, it just is, is good instruction for us as, indiv- as individual adults as Amen. well. Anyway. Amen. That's good. That's the Praise end. Praise the Lord. Good night. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.